When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Manic Monday, 10-23-2023. Sitting with my boy Andy P on the Level Up podcast on Fans First Sports Network. Rocking out, talking about some college football. You know how we do, man. First, before we get all to it, we just want to thank everybody that's rocking with us, that's going to kick it with us over in the live chat. Bring those comments because we want to hear from you talking about the college football, things we got going on. Now, Big G's going to be a little biased. Because some stuff went down with the Ohio State Buckeyes. But we'll get to it in the show. But before I do all that, Andy, what's up, bro? I'm ready for the call. I, we, we titled this show The Calm Before the Storm because this is yeah. the last week that we exist without college football playoff rankings. After this week, it's going to be all about the playoff. It's going to be all looking at those. You know, if you go on ESPN, watch College Game Day, you go on your favorite college thing. Everything's going to be viewed through the prism of the playoff from here on out. We're lucky that we're, you know, early on in the season. We got to talk about a lot of other things. We're having a lot of fun this week. My Syracuse Orange get to play on Thursday night, which is nice because that means Saturday I'll be rocking the quad boxes, watching all the different games because I don't need to worry about having the Syracuse on the main screen. So it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun week. I'm, I'm very excited for some games that are, we're going to talk about a lot of teams that we've been talking about all year and mm. things are starting to get real interesting. Facts. That's facts for sure, man. Hey, and for all of us, y'all that's watching on YouTube, please make sure you go back and check us out on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or Google podcasts, because we are available on all streams to be able to get our podcast. So if you ain't got time to sit and watch us face to face, even though we'd love to have you in the live chat, Go back and check us out on the stream, man, because for sure, for sure, we got great content over here at the College Football Fans First Sports Network Level Up Podcast. Andy, before we get to the games, we got to do some recaps this week concerning some quarterback issues and some quarterback news for a couple of contenders or maybe pretenders or maybe contenders. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We're going to figure it out over the next couple of weeks. But we had injury news coming out of Austin, Texas. Quinn Ewers, the Ohio State transfer that went down to Texas and has been balling his heart out, has been told so with a grade two separated shoulder. And they're talking about his timeline is indefinite. So, Andy, talk to me about what this could do to the Texas Longhorns and his injury. Yeah, this is one of those ones where we, we'll talk about the backups in a hot second, but Quinn Ewers is one of those guys that – I definitely have my feelings about, but this season he really upped his game. Like if you take a look at his passing depth breakdown um, yeah. over at PFF, he has been very consistent about 29, 29% throwing behind the line of scrimmage short and medium. So he's been able to hit it everywhere. Um, and that medium range 10 to 19 yards has been where he has been elite. He is 43 of 60 for 823 yards, six touchdowns, just one pick. 
Uh, NFL passer rating of 140 in that range. If you can dominate that section of the field, your offense is going to be very good to elite. And that's what Quinn Ewers has unlocked for Texas. And that's something that's really hard to replicate, especially at the college level. And so no matter how long he's out, Texas is suddenly looking at having not necessarily a one-dimensional offense, but it certainly becomes a lot less dynamic because you're taking away one of the most dangerous sections of the field at the rate that yours was working. So for me, I don't really know which backup's going to be back there. I do think what's going to happen is we're going to see the run game from Tech. It's going to feel a lot like last year's Texas Longhorns team where they're just handing the ball off. They're running a lot of zone read, a lot of power runs because, man, I don't know if you can run the same offense with either backup they have. Not saying that either backup isn't talented. It's just that, like, yours is clearly, like you mentioned, he's been at Ohio State. He's been at Texas. This is a dude who is clearly a top-tier talented quarterback, Mm. and you just can't ask a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old to do the things that he's doing in terms of reading the ball, making those throws to the deep middle section of the field. And it's just not something that any freshman can really do, even, even the most hyped of freshmen that come in. Yeah. I mean, the deal is, is that, you know, there was talk out of Austin that this would be the window that would open up the door for, for Arch Manning. And I don't think that's going to be the deal. I think that Malik Murphy, you know, because I was hearing uh, that Arch Manning was going to get second team snaps and all whatever else, but that ain't the deal. The deal is, is that Malik Murphy has proven that he's the number two quarterback on that team. And I'm just going to flat out tell you, this is Malik Murphy's audition tape. Yep. Because if he was ever sandwiched between two guys that he shouldn't be sandwiched between, in order for him to get playing time and significant snaps at Texas, this is his time to shine because he's had to fight, to, you know, to, to try to get your spot, and then he's got the freshman coming behind him. Supposed to be all world. So if if, if I'm if if I'm Malik Murphy, I, I promise you, after I score my first touchdown for the University of Texas, I'm pulling up my jersey and saying, "Tamper with me, you know, tamper with me," because or you know, come recruit me or tamper. Let's get some NCAA violations going on as far as me playing quarterback, because this is his opportunity to show that he can guide a big-time Division One program. Because you don't want to be bananas. What if Murphy goes 3-0, 4-0 and shows out? You know, do you go back to yours? You know, and then now you got a mess because you don't know who's going to start quarterback moving forward. And you got three serviceable ones. So, like I said, this – we're going to find out a lot about Texas and the maturation because I, what I've heard out of Austin is Malik Murphy's all-world. That's, yeah. that's what I've heard over and over and over again, that he's an all-world quarterback. What what what'd you think about that, Andy? What's going on? I, I think it's really interesting on a, on a variety of levels. One, the fact that yours is listed week to week out indefinitely really makes me wonder if he's coming back this year because – like we saw with the Brock Bowers thing that we talked about last week, Georgia was right out in front and said, look, he's getting a surgery. It is yeah. going to take this many weeks. He will be back yeah. after this many weeks. And yeah. that's what you do when you're very confident in the timeline. And we're about to talk about another quarterback here whose timeline has been all sorts of non-confident, inconsistent, whatever. Facts. And so this is a situation for me, like where you don't really try to rush viewers back because 
they have BYU this week. BYU is historically been a, a decent program, but they're really struggling with the Big 12, you know, step up this year. Like they haven't Hikes. quite leveled up to the level of Power 5 week yeah. in, week out. Um, yeah. I'm not worried about them this week, but as the rest of the Big 12 schedule plays out, you lose one more game, you're out of the playoff line. Like that, yeah. like Oklahoma doesn't look like they're going to slip up anytime soon. You already have that loss on your resume. Yeah. You know, one more loss is probably going to do it for you. So yeah. there's really no reason to rush yours back unless you're undefeated and Murph, Murphy looks bad, which I do yeah. not think is going to happen. Yeah. And it creates this interesting situation where I, I think we talked about this very early on. I, I don't, believe that arch manning is near anywhere near ready to play right now he's not uh, partially because of if you look at his high school tape and you look at his high school competition it just mm. really wasn't there but yeah. also like being really honest here like he went through the covid situation and mm. lost literally years of reps that he mm. would have gotten in a traditional football setting that obviously He's Arch Manning. Like they have, they have ways to keep him, keep him fresh and keep him playing. But it's just, mm. it's not the same. And like, if you look at any sport going on right now, all those young players who were trapped in that COVID situation in yeah. in like the amateur ranks, their development mm. is all over the map. And so, Correct. I think it would be, I think it makes sense to let Murphy play it out and basically say, look. Arch, you've got a long way to go here. And I don't think that he goes to Texas without knowing that this is a possibility. Mm. And it might not be the worst thing in the world for him to take a couple of years and sit behind Murphy and see if, you know, another opportunity arises. But I'm with yeah. you. I think I think Murphy has all-world potential. And yeah. I do think that if he's good, you stick with him. Because next year in the SEC, that's the kind of guy you need to win you big games. Total facts. Total facts, man. Absolutely, man. Hey, but and like I said, man, don't be shocked if Murphy shows up and shows out. I'm just yeah. saying, don't be shocked if he shows up and shows out. But like I said, this is his audition tape. So, you know, I don't know if he gets the tamper me t-shirt, sweatshirt, <laughs> puts it on his armband, you know, say recruit me. You know, he might be calling the Boulder, Colorado, saying, hey, Dion, you know, I'm your guy. <laughs> you know, especially if your door's out of there. But let's switch gears and talk about the other quarterback issue, Cam Rising. They're talking about out for the year, giving him a medical red shirt. The Utah Utes have one loss and the potential to win the Pac-12. You know, it's a lot of good teams out there, but they, they've showed that they're a real team even without him. How does this affect Utah and their possible ability to get to that Pac-12 championship and maybe even the college football playoff? Andy, what you thinking about? This would rise and getting redshirted. I'm I'm really confused at, to everything that happened here, and it seems like everybody in Utah is confused as to what happened here. Like, obviously, going down in the Rose Bowl the way that he did, this was always a this was always a potential outcome. Yeah. Uh, but based off of the quotes that we've seen coming out of uh, Utah, it, it seems as if there might be some. I'm not going to say miscommunication. It just doesn't seem like his family, the Utah training staff and the coaching staff are all on the same page there, which is yeah. going to happen. And yeah. I think a medical redshirt is probably in the best interest here. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think that this is a hell of a year for Utah to have this kind of luck because yeah. I, you look at how deep the PAC 12 is and really the last, you know, go round of the PAC 12. 
Mm-hmm. Washington, I don't know if Washington's gettable, but like they struggled against Arizona State. They historically they look, struggle against Arizona State. They, they look trash, Andy. I mean, you they, know, I, I'm reaching for the sign. They look trash. They look full trash. I'm upside I down. I mean, you can time. keep it upside down. Like that's yeah. the way that Michael Penix Jr. looked in that trash. Game. Straight trash. I I've never seen a letdown game quite that bad. Mm-hmm. So and so if you're Utah, you're going like, look, all we need is to be a one-loss Pac-12 team and we have a shot at the title game. And and mm-hmm. the margin of error is really low. We're about to talk about why that margin of error is so low coming up here as we start previewing some of the games. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just I this is just bad luck. And Utah's relied on its defense all year. They're going to have to keep relying on that defense. I don't know if it's enough. um, Because, to be completely frank, I haven't loved what I've seen out of any of the backups this year. They've been painfully mid. Just painfully mid. (laughs) Painfully (laughs) mid. In the middle, (laughs) mid. You know, never coming out of the basement. Might be able to get a win or two. But when they run up against a real team, and I think that's going to be one of the games we'll talk about this week with the Utah Utes, I don't know if they got enough. But, you know, that's – like I said – College football is based on not only how you play, but how you're able to survive. And, you know, there's been some big-time injuries. Now you got Bowers, you got Ewers, you got Rising. These are all teams that are in the mix for their conference championship games and the playoffs. So we're going to see how the shift of power and the balance goes as we preview the games this week. Andy, you know how we get down. You know how we do our games and previews. But we got to start this off. And I don't care if they don't even call it this anymore. This is the cocktail party that's going on <laughs> down there in Jacksonville, Florida. The Georgia Bulldogs, who I think is suspect without Brock Bowers, going there to face the Florida Gators in a 14-and-a-half point overdog. Andy, man, come on, man. Talk to me about this game and what you're seeing already, man. I do not like this 14-and-a-half line at all. I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. There's a good chance that Georgia covers because Florida went up against a Kentucky team earlier this year that ran the same counter play left or right for most of the game, and Florida couldn't stop it. They were soft. Um, And I really do not like picking upset games against teams that show they're soft. Like, to me, that's just a giant red flag. Mm -hmm. But I will say the Georgia offense without Brock Bowers, to me, is – the biggest suspicion question mark beige flag thing that you can have out there right now yeah. because uh, we, I mean, I've been talking about it this week with Syracuse a lot. Like the Syracuse offense uh, is incredibly one dimensional and predictable because yeah. they don't have anybody that they can target over the deep middle of the field. Brock yeah. Bowers, the only Georgia player who was running routes over the deep middle of the field. We talked about it last week. We went really in depth on this. I'm not going to rehash it again. So if you don't have a wide receiver who can run those routes for you, mm-hmm. it things are going to get tricky. And so I have I have two questions coming in this game. One, how soft is Florida going to be? Big-time competition, rivalry game. You would better get your butts up for this game. That's right. But two, does Georgia try to slip a another tight end hybrid wide receiver into that Brock Bowers role and just run the same offense? Or do we see them fundamentally shift the offense because of the loss of Bowers and try different ways schematically to target that section of the field in the passing game? Man, I agree. You know, but the issue is, is Beck that guy? 
Yeah. You know, because because back security blanket has been already for the Georgia Bulldogs, Bowers. You know, mm-hmm. and for all you guys that don't really know that much about Georgia, this is the equivalent of Ohio State losing Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the that's we're talking the equivalency of a of an untested quarterback losing his full blown first round top five NFL draft pick and Bowers. So you know now what is he going to do? So Georgia's unproven, and that's the issue with what I'm saying with Beck at quarterback. I don't know. And, I, you know, this game might be the game. I'm not sure we're going to talk about it as we move forward with this little segue or se- section. But I don't know. I don't know if Georgia can survive without Bowers. I don't know. You know, and that's – I, I honestly do not think I, – I, I'm 100% with you, Big G, because I do not think that they go through – the next four games undefeated without Bowers. Yeah. Um, I think there's one game. We talked about it last week. Those Missouri Tigers. Man, are, they, they lurking. They lurking. <laughs> they yeah. are waiting. They are crouching. I am going to be glued to Missouri games over the next couple of weeks just to see what they're showing, see what they've got, because yeah. I, I do not know if Georgia can win a track meet. I think mm-hmm. Georgia can win a rock fight. And and for me, that's what I ultimately think this game is going to end up being yeah. because Florida has proven time and time again, they're just really not comfortable slinging the ball. They've got some horses in the backfield. Their yeah. offensive line is way more comfortable run blocking than it is pass blocking. Fact. So I, I, I am, I'm not picking the upset here. I do think that like there are going to be giant yellow caution signs coming out of this game when we talk about Georgia and the number one ranking, especially college football playoff rankings are, are going to be really interesting because what happens in this game if Georgia only wins this by a field goal? Yeah. Does that, do, do they drop? Because Ohio state has a much more impressive resume than Georgia does at this point in time. Yeah, if you facts. look at the actual results of the games. Facts, facts. Absolutely. Andy, even worse. Hey, Florida state's got an impressive record, you know, resume too. And I, yep. you know, that's, that's another story. But, Andy, I just – I'm saying that, man, it's the cocktail party, man. Yeah. It's the cocktail party, and you know – I mean, we've been watching college football for years, both of us. We know there's always something weird and something twisted that comes out of that cocktail party every year. There's always a big play here or there that swings the game. And I don't know if the Georgia Bulldogs have one of those guys. I know I saw a bunch of Georgia Bulldogs playing last night for the Philadelphia Eagles. But guess <laughs> what? None of those Georgia Bulldogs is lining up in this game against the Florida Gators. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know. But Andy, you know how we get out on the show. We got to give them our pick. We gave them some little highlights and little previews. Who you picking? Who you got? What's your score, bro? I think this is going to be the ugliest game of the week that everybody's going to watch. I think that Georgia's going to win the game 13 to nine. It's going to be terrible, but I do think that we come out of this game impressed with Georgia's defense and incredibly worried about Georgia's offense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear it. And man, you know, I, I've been picking my gut all season. I think I've only missed one game since we've been doing it all these weeks, man. Mm-hmm. And my gut is telling me that the Florida Gators are going to pull the upset. Wow. My gut, my gut is telling me 
that Florida is going to pull it off. So I'm picking the Gators to win. 24-17 Gators to win the cocktail party and throw the college football playoff in a frenzy right off the back. And I'll say this much, Andy, I'm with you 100%. If they survive Florida, they got Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, right up back to back to back after this one. They're not making out of that unscathed. No, I like I like the Florida Gators to pull the upset this week against the Georgia Bulldogs, twenty-four to seventeen. Like it, like gotta gotta have it. It's time for the get for the Gators to grow up and show he, that their program's back on the on the on the men and back going up. Man, sure. you are you you've got some confidence here. We're gonna see if we got uh we we've got a big that's probably the biggest upset pick that you, that you can make that you can make today here. That is that is a big way to start the show. Yeah, I, I got it. I, man, my gut is telling me they're going to win. My gut is telling me that Florida is going to pull it off. They're going to pull it off. They know that Georgia's wounded, and they're going to mm-hmm. do it. So, hey, so before we go to our, our, our games or our continued preview, we got to take a quick commercial break, pay some bills. If you're watching us on YouTube, just give us about 10 seconds, a quick pause. You'll see us on the screen. But if you're listening, make sure you come back and check out the second half of the Level Up Podcast with Andy P. and Big G on Fans First Sports Network. We're going to pause for 10. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And we're back with the Level Up Podcast. Andy P, Big G. Fans First Sports Network, talking college football, how we do on this show for sure, for sure. Andy, I've already called for the upset for the Georgia Bulldogs. We got to get to our second game, the Oregon Ducks versus the Utah Utes. That Pac-12 is crazy, man. I I just got to say it right off the bat. That Pac-12 is unbelievable, you know, between watch – because you got to watch it every week. Washington mm-hmm. should have lost. Washington should have lost against Arizona State. I'm telling you straight up. I watched the whole game. They should have lost. You know, <laughs> every listen. Utah was able to pull it out against USC. Oregon and Washington went at it. That Pac-12 was nuts. Stanford popped Colorado. I mean, I you know it's a lot going on out there. But we got another mono e mono number nine versus number fourteen. Oregon on the road going into Utah with the Utes. And I heard Andy that they're going to rock that all black uniform. Ooh. I heard, I heard, I heard, I heard it through the grapevine. They're going to rock the all black on Oregon. So, what's going on in Utah? Give me a little bit about the preview and what's going on with between this game between the Oregon Ducks and the Utah Utes. I this is another like the Pac-12 has really made a really interesting schedule because if this was. Uh, at Oregon, I don't think we'd be talking about this game. I think we'd be saying, you know what, you know, book it. It'd be an easy Oregon win. They get the home yeah. field advantage. 
Facts. But instead, we're here talking about Oregon having to go and play in a really hostile environment that has mm-hmm. already hosted several ranked opponents this year that Utah has been able to fend off. Yes. And it suddenly looks like things could get interesting because Oregon, what they do really well and what Bo Nix does really well is that short intermediate passing game. They do a great job uh, of running the ball and, and playing tempo and taking advantage of, you know, high risk, high reward situations. And the Utah defense says, great. That is exactly where we're the strongest. That's exactly where we're the best. We want you to take those chances because our defense typically is is one of those high aggression force turnovers in those situations and, and really put teams in situations to make mistakes. Uh, the difference is, is that their offense is trash and it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it becomes a really interesting game because the Oregon defense is not not special like we saw them get exposed against washington we've seen that they really are are just a uh average level defense and it becomes a situation of if or if utah can stop oregon enough they're probably going to have a game here and I, I think it's one of the more interesting how both of these coaching staffs choose to attack this game schematically is yes. going to be really interesting to me because there's a there's a million different ways you can try to move the chess pieces around because yeah. both teams have proven that they can execute a lot of different strategies uh, so far this season. Yeah, yeah, and and this this the issue too, man. And I, you know, I don't know if you've looked at this or saw it. Mario Cristobal lost that game for Oregon against Washington. His play calling and what he decided to do, going for a couple times on fourth down. You know, calling plays that didn't put Bo Nix in position to win the game, didn't lean on his running game when he should have leaned on his running game, because they were killing Washington with the ground game. They were they were eating Washington up. You know, it cost them. Yep. You know, and then now on the other side, you got Utah's coach and Kyle Winningham, and what I'm telling you that that dude is a coach. Man, there ain't but about a handful of coaches I would go into battle with in college football. He's one of the five. If you ask me to go out there and run through a brick wall and play with everything I got, Kyle Winningham is one of those coaches I'm playing for. Yeah. He's a player. He's a player's coach. He demands excellence. And they will throw everything but the kitchen sink at you to beat you. In the rounds, reverse, crazy plays, fake field goals, fake, fake punts. They will throw everything but the kitchen sink at Oregon to beat them. So – I mean, skill position-wise, Oregon's offense is definitely killer. But Utah's definitely got one of those top defenses. So, you know, not strength on strength. So I think it comes down, just me, Andy, the difference between the two coaches. You know, and one guy, Crystal Ball, I don't know. But Winningham, hey, that's a coach. Andy, what else you got on this game, Utah and Oregon? Yeah. So yeah, the Oregon coach uh, is is Matt Lanning. Uh, for he's because uh, Chris, uh, Ball went down to Miami. Yeah, I said yeah. I said Crystal Ball. Matt Lanning. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 No. Um, I was just like because I think the fourth I think the fourth down stuff that happened in the Washington game is really interesting to me because yeah. I'm I'm with you. I think out of the out of the three fourth downs that they went for and didn't yeah. get, 
I actually liked two of the calls. The one fourth down call uh, when they were uh, on the goal line in the third quarter, they didn't get it. Washington was pinned back. Washington mm. ends up punting the ball and gives Oregon the ball in plus field position. Facts. That's one where you, you trust your defense to make a big stop. They did. It works out. You won, you won the sequence. You didn't win the play, but you won the sequence. Yeah. Um, but the other two decisions, they went for the win on the road, yeah. which I, if that's, if you're confident in your team, go for it. But like going for it on fourth down, uh, with, you know, four and a half minutes left or whatever it was like, that was, yeah. that felt a little too aggressive. And then the, uh, going for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal going into halftime. That yeah. to me was everything that was wrong with Oregon's game plan because it's an overly aggressive decision and the play was shrinking the field. It was a bootleg rollout and you're in the red zone specifically like inside the five yard line. There's Correct. if you roll out to one side, everybody's going to go that way. And you just suddenly have a super condensed field where you need a touchdown. Like, like I don't know. I just didn't To love... the short side. To the short side. Exactly. Went to the wide side. It was to the short side. You know. It, it was just one of those things where it, schematically, yeah, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. And I definitely think that Oregon is the better team here. Mm-hmm. But to your, you, you hit the nail on the head here. I think Kyle Whittingham has proven that he is a top-tier coach that no one is talking about. He's a beast. And, and Utah is in a position – where I legitimately think if Cam Rising was playing, if Utah was at full strength, Utah wins this game. But he's not. I think it's going to be really close, and I'm not 100% sure Oregon can out-aggressive themselves out of this game. They're going to need Bo Nix to play a really tight game. Like, he Mm -hmm. cannot make mistakes. He's going to need to, like, swallow the ball and and not take so many deep shots. It's gonna, it's gonna be one of those games where it's really gonna test. Can Oregon win the win the ugly game? And that to yeah. me is is the is the question and the story of the game. Well, and that's been the traditional thing out of Bo Nix. Bo Nix is a riverboat gambler, y'all. He will take risk and take chances. And an over aggressive offense with an over aggressive coach plays right into the hands of the Utah Utes. Utah's defense is really that. Y'all got to remember, just a couple of weeks ago. UCLA had the ball on the three-yard line, and they had an easy out-leverage play. They had them out-leveraged to the wide side of the field, and the quarterback throws a pick six. You know, the call was, so for you guys that don't follow college football, the call was spider two wide banana. And what do you never do on spider two wide banana? Throw the ball to the outside receiver late, and that's exactly what he did. And the guy for Utah picked it off and ran it all the way back to the house, which swung the game. So an over-aggressive offense, risk-taking offense, doesn't do well against Utah. All you got to do is go back and look what they just did to the reigning Heisman Trophy champion, Caleb Williams. Caleb took a lot of risk in that game, man. Utah took advantage of those risks. So, Andy, that's that's our preview. But you know how we get down, bro. Score prediction. Andy, who you got in Oregon versus Utah? I am going I, – I felt really good last week. Like I do uh, internal pick them with some coworkers. I picked Utah over USC because I knew that defense was suspect. I knew it was – I knew it was a little bit trash. I want to make the same pick here, 
I just don't know if I can pick against this Oregon team that I really do like on almost every facet of the ball minus the occasional over-aggressiveness. I like an yeah. aggressive team. I like the – I think the defense is a little bend, not break. I'm going to pick Oregon here. I think they win this one 33-30. to 30. But I, I think Utah. I think Utah has the ball last. I think Utah has the ball at the end of the game, and not having Cam Rising is what really hurts them in the in this one. Yeah, yeah. I Andy, I like that pick, man, a lot. I like that. Yeah, I even like that score a lot because I think that for whatever reason, I think Utah is going to rally the troops, understanding and knowing that their general is gone for the season, and now we got to rally around our coach. We got to rally around this young quarterback and we got to push all the way through. But the issue is Oregon is playing for something big. They want, they want, they want play, they want payback. They want to get them watching the Huskies one more time in that Pac-12 championship game. So I like Oregon to win the game. I think it's going to be even higher scoring than that. I want to say 38-35. And Oregon wins with a walk-off field goal. You know, so I I like Oregon, but I wouldn't be shocked if Utah is able to pop them. I wouldn't be shocked at all. So great game, I think. Yeah. And like I said, I, I can't give. There's, it's a shame that the Pac-12 is going away. Yeah, because the games this year have been unbelievable. <laughs> you know, all probably out of the top ten college football games this season, at least six of them have been in the Pac-12. At least, oh six. yeah. So, you know, it's must must see, must watch TV if you love college football. It's a shame they're going away. And this one fits the bill. So great game. If watch the game for sure, for sure. But I think both of us like Oregon without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. Andy, we got to swing to your neck of the woods. Next game. Mm-hmm. The Duke Blue Devils versus the Louisville Cardinal. Both of them had higher aspirations two weeks ago. Let's just face facts. Yep. Two weeks ago, both of these teams were talking about we're going to the ACC championship. You know, we're, we're going to face either Florida State or North Carolina. And North Carolina, no, they laid an egg against Virginia. You know, mm-hmm. but now here it is where one of them still got a chance. Well, what happened to North Carolina versus Virginia? And the winner of this game could put themselves in position to still possibly play an undefeated Florida State team in the ACC championship game. So, Andy, let's give a preview about Duke and Louisville, number 20 versus number 18. Weird things are happening in ACC land, but this is typically what happens. You can't take the chaos out of the Coastal, even if you get rid of the Coastal division. And this is is where we're sitting here. I, I think Duke showed a lot in that Florida State game, both schematically, but also that without Riley Leonard, this team really – cannot function and Leonard re-aggravating his ankle he is you know TBD if he's going to play in this game or not and that to me is all the difference if Riley Leonard plays like I really like Duke in this matchup if he doesn't play I like Louisville the big thing that Louisville loves to do is that they are they're running the ball with Jawar Jordan uh transfer from Syracuse who has been lighting it up in the ACC this year Mm -hmm. um and Kyle Plummer the the quarterback at Louisville another transfer that was brought in with this new regime over uh at Louisville it all has really clicked well um but Louisville is definitively 
taking advantage of a really sloppy game by Notre Dame Facts. and a really soft ACC schedule. Facts. And I I don't necessarily think that Louisville is is a fraud by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But if you know you go to my handy dandy SP plus my favorite my favorite ranking system, yeah. Louisville's only twenty seventh, and Duke is only twenty sixth. So these are two really even teams, but these are two teams that are probably not top twenty five in the country. They're probably just in that tier below. So yeah. I to me I think it I think the four is right. I think it's I think the spread is just right in this game unless Riley Leonard plays and in that case then you're looking at okay duke might be able to salvage something here and like you said with the north carolina loss on the that they took against uva i think both Mm. of these teams are now a little bit more re-energized with the idea that there's still a path to charlotte to face florida state in the title game here yeah hey you know i went back and i you know because i watch film all the time you know especially college football film and i went back and watched that louisville um, on all 22, man. And this is the thing about Plummer, that Plummer transfer quarterback for, for Louisville. When that kid is on, he's on. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. You know, he can throw the rock. But the issue is when he's off, he looks worse than probably half to not three-fourths of all the Division One starting quarterbacks in, right now currently in college football because he makes error throws at Typical times. I, I wish when I watched the film, I kept seeing him being high and outside, high yeah. and outside. So high and outside gets you interceptions. You know, that's, you know, when because that's a tip ball, that's an outside ball where quarterbacks got outside leverage and you throw it right to him and it's a pick six, you know, and that's how he plays. If he starts fast, he really gives Louisville an opportunity to win because the issue is, Duke's defense is going to come in there and punch you in the mouth. Yeah. Regardless of what's going on on the offensive side of the ball for Duke, Louis, uh, Duke's defense is going to punch you in the mouth. And that's why I'm saying that I think that Duke's got a chance in this game. I like Duke, Duke's defense against Louisville's offense, and I don't think Louisville's defense can stop Duke's offense because they're going to lean on that running game. You know, And I think they're just a little small, especially in between that, that three technique and five technique at the defensive tackles. I just think that those guys will get pinched and pushed inside because Duke's offensive line is very physical. You know, so those are my keys to the game for sure. But Andy, we got the matchup. We call in the game. We put it on the Level Up podcast this week. Mm-hmm. Duke versus Louisville. Who you got? This is a game that I love because it is just classic ACC chaos. Um, I, I think that they're going to try to let Riley Leonard play. I don't think he's going to be fully healthy. So give me Louisville to win this game 26, 24. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be real close. I think it's going to be last team with the ball has it. Um, but this is the game where if you haven't watched Jawar Jordan play, I think that he is going to be a monster out of the backfield, not just in the rushing attack, but in the passing attack. I think they're going to try to find a way to get him balls in space with a lot of moving screens, a lot of bootlegs. Because like you said, you don't like they know Plummer. The idea is like, do not make mistakes against this Duke offense. Easiest way to do that. Just keep the passes behind the line of scrimmage to your electric running back. Just get him in space. Yeah. I like Jordan on a wheel route to win the game. 
Give me yeah. Louisville. I like Jordan on the wheel route. I'm telling you, they're going to set it up the whole game. You won't see it to the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, they're going to swing him out of the backfield on a wheel route, on the outside on the linebacker, and I think that's going to be the difference in the game because I think the one thing about Duke is even though they're super physical, they're sort of slow afoot. Even yeah. though they got Al Blaze Jr. out there playing defensive back for Duke, and I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, he's a first-round NFL draft pick. I watched the kid play on the All-22 film. He's a first-round NFL pick. If I have never seen one, he's got the pedigree. A Blades playing defensive back? Oh, yeah, you already know what time it is. So so, <laughs> so definitely, Al Blaze Jr. is that, but I, I just like Louisville's offense. It's a night game. They're going to be rocking and rolling out there in Louisville, Kentucky. Give me Louisville to win 28-21 over Duke because I don't think Leonard's going to play. I think his ankle's just too tore up, too sore. He's going to need at least one week to get it right. Andy, we're going to take another quick commercial break on the Fans First Network Level Up podcast with Andy P and Big G. For you guys that's watching us on YouTube, we appreciate your comments over in the live chat. For everybody out there watching, give us 10 seconds. Those that are listening on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts, give us 10, and we'll be right back. Back with the Fans First Sports Network Level Up College Football Preview. Andy P, Big G in the building. We're talking games all across the United States of America because this week it's going to be a little separation. We're going to find out who's for real, for real. The, it's not the, the gauntlet or the, the slate that we have every week, but we've definitely have I've been able to identify some good games for you this week without a shadow of a doubt. And Andy, that brings me to the segue. Colorado, we it's been a couple of weeks since we talked about him. Four and three, Dion took that spanking against Stanford, the game he was supposed to win in overtime. Got opportunity for some playback against UCLA. Some payback could be jumping off this week. And this is a game they need to get to a bowl contention because they, they got some hard ones down the stretch. So let's talk about maybe a full-strength Colorado team, which we haven't seen all uh, since the beginning of the season, going into California, Los Angeles, to take on UCLA. Andy, what you got with the Buffs and the Bruins? Yeah, I think that Stanford game showed a couple of things about this Colorado team. I thought Dion put it really well in his post-game press conference that I think a lot of these players got bought into the preseason hype a little bit too much, yeah. bought into those early season results a little bit too much, and when Travis Hunter came back, I think a lot of the team thought that would fix everything. That kid is still not right. I'm sorry, yeah. but a, a, a Juco Canadian wide receiver should not be beating Travis Hunter the way that he did. And especially like on that, on that throw that won the game, Hunter wasn't able to turn that body around. That's all, that's all midsection flexibility. And it's just nice. really clear that he's missing some of that. Yeah. And you know, you you watch that and you you hate to say that an injury decides the game. You hate to say that he shouldn't be out there playing. Mm. But, like, it was just really obvious that Hunter is not at 100% yet. So mm. you go into this UCLA game, and UCLA does not want to throw the ball. <laughs> they have a great – they have a five-star quarterback back there who they do not want to use because – He's a freshman. <laughs> He's a freshman. When, 
he is a true 18 year old kid back there. All the talent in the world can be, yeah. I think will be very good in a, in a year or two, but this offense is designed around the run game. This offense is designed around the short passing game. I think that it plays better into Colorado's strengths because they are now not reliant on Travis Hunter to shut down the number one option to win a game. Uh, but I still have a lot of questions about that front seven for Colorado. The offense is definitively a top 25 unit. I have, I'm not worried about the offense putting up points. I am concerned about their ability to stop UCLA. And that's where I think this game gets really interesting because the spread 17 points is a lot for a game where I think that it should be close all the way through because the, the UCLA offense, if you go on, uh, you know, PFS, uh, PFS power ranking metrics, you know, UCLA has the eighth defense and the 70th ranked offense and yeah. Colorado's coming in with the 23rd ranked offense and the 87th ranked defense. Like this is just yeah. a game where you've got you, UC, uh, UCLA can probably score in a way that they're not used to, but they're yeah. also incredibly one dimensional. And on the Colorado yeah. front, like this is an elite defense. We have seen Colorado go up against very good to elite defenses and put up points. And so now I'm just kind of curious which one of these things breaks first. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to the game planning and come down to how does, like you said, how does Colorado bounce back from a game that they should not have ever lost? Yeah. And, and you know, I can, I can tell from the games that I've seen with UCLA playing this year that you could tell Coach Kelly wants to push the envelope with Deontay Moore playing quarterback. But the kid's out there throwing picks. He's got 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions, about 1,400 yards passing. But he has thrown some critical picks. I think he's thrown two or three pick six this year. So, you know, it's like, man, what do we do? But they got the answer because Carson Steele is the running back for them, and the kids rush for like 600 yards. So why not just line up and pound the ball? And, you know, because Colorado's been shown they can be taken in that run game. You know, Stanford was like the first team that, like, I was like, man, they just got outclassed. You know, everybody else, Colorado State threw the ball around them on 50 times. Caleb Williams, you know who Caleb Williams is. But I just think that you can run the ball straight at Colorado and just pound them. But the issue is Coach Kelly's got an ego, bro. You know, and this is his – believe it or not, this will almost be a signature win for him. You know, for him to say, I beat Deion Sanders and I this, that, and this – because he's got some envy, you know, and and I think he's going to get suckered into a shootout yeah. by thinking that his athletes are just that much more superior than Colorado's athletes. And that's the game Colorado wants to play. Colorado wants to play with Shador Sanders throws for 450 yards, four touchdowns. They barely run the ball, you know, and they just get into a straight-up shootout, and they want you to make the big-time mistake. So I think that Coach Kelly's going for it. I think he's going to fall for the okie-doke. And I think this UCLA-Colorado game is going to be a lot closer than what we think. Andy, what you thinking about that, bro? I agree with that a thousand percent. Uh, there's Colorado's done this against everybody this year. TCU could have won the game by keeping the gra- ball on the ground. They get Max. suckered into a shootout. Nebraska, literally, just don't have Jeff Sims throw the ball, and you probably could have kept that game close. They kept letting him throw the ball. Yeah. It, I, I don't really understand it because you watch the film and even when Colorado does get a good run stuff, it's because of a very incredible play by one of their linebackers either shooting through a gap that's that's left open or yeah. coming off the edge. 
Fact. So if I'm UCLA, I just keep the ball on the ground and you'll you'll get your three yards every every play, and that should be enough. Yeah. I don't know if it will be. I think it's gonna end up being a close game. My pick is is going to be UCLA in a in a shootout, but I don't Ooh. love it because I, I think at the end of the day it's gonna be it's gonna come down to the help of Travis Hunt, health of Travis Hunter. Mm. And I still don't think he's healthy. If he comes out and makes an ath- a great athletic play in the first, you know, first couple of pass pass attempts thrown his way, I will eat yeah. my words and I will immediately, you know, switch my pick to Colorado in an instant. But <laughs> I, I think that if if Hunter is still banged up, I still think that that Colorado secondary can also get got. So I'm going to take UCLA 31 to 28. Uh, mm. I but yeah, dude. I if you are if you are somebody who likes to partake in the sports gambling uh this minus 17 just seems kind of ridiculous to me like i just don't see how the game ever gets that that far out of hand yeah not with a freshman quarterback playing at ucla there's no there's no ifs ands buts about it this game's not going to blow up but andy i'm gonna tell you something man those colorado kids want to go to la (laughs) i i heard through the grapevine that lebron james might be on the sideline watching the game oh i heard that so I definitely heard that Paul Pierce was talking about being at the game for sure. So you're going to have that all that glitz and glitter out there in California, UCLA. That's where the Colorado kids thrive in. Yeah, they want they want it. They want that. They didn't. Dion, if you go back and look at it, he was mad because of the start time for Stanford. Because he felt that it was too much time the kids had laying around, a lot of talk. There was a lot of these athletes, all these superstars, rappers, and all that stuff over on the sideline. Nah. So they're going to get this game started early. So guess what that means to the Colorado Buffaloes? They come in ultra-focused into California, and they do what they're supposed to do. Give me the Colorado Buffaloes in the upset. Over to Utah, UCLA, Bruins. 38 28. Shador Sanders throws for 350 plus yards and four tutties. He's not in the Heisman race. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not going to New York. Next year, maybe, but not now. But he's still going to do enough for them to get real close to being bowl eligible because that's the goal for Colorado this year. They Mm want to go to a bowl. They want to go to a bowl and win a bowl. Six wins, seven wins, eight wins, it don't matter. So I like the Colorado Buffaloes to upset UCLA because I just think that Coach Kelly, it's too big for him. He's shown it already, and they're young. So young players just don't adapt in big-time moments. So give me me the Colorado Buffaloes over UCLA this week for the Level Up College Football Preview Show. Andy, we got one game left on the slate. Man, people are going to say I'm biased. People going to say we biased. It don't matter. It's one of the best games out there. The Ohio State University coming off a huge win against the Penn State Nittany Lions. Going into what I feel and think is the biggest trap game on the schedule for this week's slate. At Wisconsin, at night, Camp Randall rocking and rolling. Former Buckeye head coach as head coach for the University of Wisconsin. Man, it's going to be something going on over there. They're going to get that jump around going in the fourth quarter. Andy, give me a preview about the Ohio State University at Wisconsin, 730 on NBC. 
the NBC game of the week. Yeah, I'll let you do take the victory lap and and break down what Ohio State has done so well, what they did against Penn State last week. What I'll say about this Wisconsin team is the the Iowa game was was disappointing. Like mm-hmm. I Iowa is turning into a really disappointing team for me. Like this offense is is just a mess and they got got by a Minnesota team that was willing to take risks and mm. was able to win on special teams a- in a way that I thought Wisconsin could. Um, but because of that, Wisconsin's back in the race for the the pack for the Big Ten title game. Like, yes, sir. I you thought it was over. It's not over anymore. No, but. I, I think that Wisconsin has something to play for here that I didn't think that they had before. And I, I'm with you. I think this is a trap game. We, we saw it with Washington after the org, uh, again, this past week against ASU. We've seen it all the time in college football. These, these things can happen. But, yeah, and, yeah, man, yeah. Wisconsin, Ohio State just looks supremely talented. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the kind of wideout that you consider taking number one or number two overall. And I just don't know if there are very many teams in the country that have what it takes to sh- to stop that specifically. So, you know, like I said, everybody knows I'm a diehard Buckeye. I mean, come on now. You, all you got to do is look at the background. <laughs> look what I got <laughs> on. That'll tell you the whole story. But let me tell you something, man. Ohio State doesn't play well against teams to try to just out-physical them. They have, in my opinion, what a top two or three defense in the country, maybe number one overall. For Braylon Allen, man, is that dude, bruh. You know, I, there's no other way for me to describe it. He is a monster at running back. He He's a legit first-round NFL draft pick. He's really that good. Yeah. And Wisconsin traditionally gives Ohio State fits at night and can't ramble. They give them fits because they do things that they've never seen ever on film and on tape. So this is not going to be a traditional lineup, play 11 personnel, play 12 personnel. Wisconsin will put seven offensive linemen in the game and just be like, stop us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and run straight at you. That's what they do. They've done that for years. And so this is like almost preparing for a scheme that you won't see all year. And and when I'm telling you, I've been, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I've been to Camp Randall Stadium. I've been there at night for Ohio State. It's no joke, man. It's no joke. That environment is unbelievable. It shakes up there, man, in that stadium. So, and... You know, it's always been this thing about Wisconsin feels like that they're the better team. It's been that way ever since 2014 when they got smacked in in the Big Ten championship game. Wisconsin always comes in with a chip on their shoulder, and they feel they're the better team. So I I know we got Marvin Harrison Jr. All reports out of Columbus right now is that Omeko Buka and Travion Anderson will be ready to go this week finally. It's been so long, you know, since we had them. Reports are that, that Burke is ready to go. The defense definitely has showed up with JTT, Sawyer. Let, let me just say this, and people can say I'm biased and all whatever else. 
Ohio State has the best defensive line in the country. I don't care how you shake it. Seven, eight-man rotation, nine-man rotation. They have the best defensive ends and best defensive tackles in the country. And they're going to have to lean on that out there in Camp Randall. Because I'm telling you right now, Wisconsin's coming to play. So, you know, that's that's the blue breakdown that me and Andy got. Andy, who you got and what you got going on? I'm going to tell you one stat. Wisconsin's passer rating this season when they've been under pressure, 33.9. Poor they are They are just unable to move the ball through the air when you can get into the backfield. Man, I saw Penn State with a much better offensive line struggle all day with that defensive front and that defensive pressure. I, I truly think and agree with you, this is going to be one of those games where there's going to, it's going to be cagey at the beginning, Yeah, but I think Ohio state's going to put their foot down. I think Ohio state wins this game 28 to 10. I, I think Wisconsin might get like a late touchdown. Maybe they get an early touchdown, but I don't think that they do a whole lot here. I, I think Ohio State wins this one convincingly enough that we are starting to talk about them being up there at number one come, you know, the, the, the playoff rankings are coming out on Halloween. So yeah. when that show rolls around, if they if they win the way I think that they're going to win, I would put Ohio State at number one in my playoff rankings. Wow, wow. Andy, I'm going to be honest, man. This is the first game I'm a little worried. Ooh. This is the first this is the first game that I mean I wasn't worried against Notre Dame. I wasn't worried against Penn State. I was talking loud and strong. Mm-hmm. But I know what goes on up there at Camp Randall. I know what happens. You know, and I'm like, man. So, and this is the thing. Ohio State struggles with red zone offense. You know, and Brown, I don't know if he's going to be ready to go. You know, the reports out of the camp is it's his ankle, it's not his knee. It's a it's an ankle sprain. It's not a high ankle sprain. It's an ankle sprain. So does he have enough to where we can insert him in those red zone packages? Because we look completely different inside of the 10 with Brown playing quarterback versus Kyle McCord, right? Kyle McCord has improved, definitely. But I love that package that gives them an opportunity because Ohio State has shown over and over again when they get in the red zone, they stall and they kick field goals or they go for it and they don't get it which plays right into Wisconsin's hands. You know, we cannot kick field goals, and Kyle McCord can't turn the ball over. More than one turnover, Ohio State is cooked. I'm telling you right now, I know how it goes down up there in Wisconsin. So I'm going to tell you, this is a tight one. We escape out of there, man. We escape. It ain't going to be no blowout. This is like going to be a 31-24 game, and we might have to score late to win. You know, I'm telling you right now. But wow. if if Coach Day is – listen, if Coach Day knows what I know, this is the game that we lean heavily on the run game. Whatever run plays you have been holding back and not shown this year on film, you got to run the ball. Travion Henderson, Chip Trainum, Porchop Williams, heck, Dallin Hayden, all of them got to get in the game. And run the ball down their freaking throat. Stover's going to get you a, a, a spot. Ma, listen, Marv's going to do what he do. Mar, Marv, if Marv goes off, and which I've been saying, Marv's going to get his 100 yards. You can't stop him. Marv's in Heisman contention. 
Mm-hmm. But the issue is we can't turn the ball over and we stall out in the red zone. Our defense can only take so much. And I'm telling you right now, even though we have the best defensive line in the country, you get them big six foot five, 320, 330 pound Wisconsin offensive lineman leaning on you for four quarters. Come to fourth quarter, bro, you're going to be sucking air. And I'm telling you, that's what Wisconsin wants. They want time of possession, long drives to go all the way down. And, and, and listen, last point, Coach Fickle, he knows Ohio State. He mm-hmm. knows them. Born and bred. Born and bred Buckeye, bro. Coached right there, was the interim coach for Urban Meyer. In between, you know, uh, uh, you know, before we got Urban Meyer, after we got rid of Coach Trussell. So he knows them. He knows what this game means. And you better believe they have circled this game on their schedule since the start. This is their Super Bowl. So this is the game. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be close. Buckeye fans, don't be throwing McCord under the table after this game is over with. Because I'm telling you, he got to play turnover free. But it's going to be real close. And we might need a late touchdown to win. But I'm still picking Ohio State to win. And there's no way they're covering that 14 and a half point spread. It ain't happening. Without a shadow of a doubt. Wow. I Listen, I feel like I just got uh, the best Ohio State preview I can possibly get here. I still I still am confident in them. I think this te- I think this year's team is different and I guess that's like that's a great way to end the show because that's what this Saturday is kind of about like who who's actually different who's yeah. going to be different this year in what we expect to be a really tight playoff race and who's going to do the same old stuff that they keep doing every single year Man Andy what a what a show like I said man I we thought the slate was a little vanilla a little low But, man, as we broke it down and as we got into it, man, the hype is still there because this Mm -hmm. year's college football season is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Hey, so thank all you guys for rock with us in the live chat today. We appreciate you guys' comments. Thank you guys for listening to us on the Fans First Sports Network college football preview with Level Up with Andy P and Big G. Make sure you check us out on Spotify, on, 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 you're watching us on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Andy, before we get out of here, you got any party shots? Listen, it's going to be a great, great week. Uh, hit me up on all the socials at AC Pregler to make sure, uh, you know, I got my college football newsletter, got my Syracuse stuff, going to get send out this podcast. Uh, and as always, you know, I'm going to be glued to my TV watching this Ohio State game that I'm now all of a sudden real interested in uh, after Big G's big, big thing. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to another great Saturday. For sure, for sure. As for Big G and Andy P for the Level Up Podcast, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll check you next week as we move to the pivotal week nine of the College Football Preview Show on Fans First Sports Network. See ya. <laughs>